0: Alright, so hey everybody, good morning. It's uh, Super Sunday, right? And uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and it's a great day to get your spiritual game on uh, before you watch the big football game. I always like to have a little fun with that. I'm curious who you're rooting for uh, today in the big game. We all know that's not why we gather spiritually, but it's always a little fun uh, to talk about. If you know me, you know I'm a football fan, and uh, you probably know this. I tend to root for whoever is playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That's how it works. I root for whoever's playing Tom Brady. And so, uh, so go Chiefs. And uh, I don't know if you're rooting for the Bucks or the Chiefs this year. I got, I got many uh, Bucs fans so, that are friends. So uh, we'll see how it all turns out, right? In fact, would you go online today and uh, say hello? And uh, would you tell us who you're rooting for? We would love to hear from you. Certainly, welcome to Harvest Community Church. That's probably more important. And uh, I'm Brian, and I am one of our pastors, and we're super glad that you're spending today with us uh, before that big game. It is always Super Sunday when we get the chance to be a part of what God is doing and today we have that chance and i'm so thankful there's a few things i want to encourage you to do right every sunday i encourage you to go online say hello please do that we'd love to hear from you on youtube we'd love to hear from you on facebook Also, we'd love it if you'd fill out our digital communication card. You'll see it in the links on YouTube and on Facebook, and uh, just click that digital communication card, fill in the information. Of course, there are many things you can do there, but one of the great things you can do there is you can share prayer requests. We love praying for you, and we love knowing how we can pray for you. And so please let us know In the prayer requests I also just want to mention while I'm on that digital communication card if you're new and uh, maybe today's your first time or your third or fourth time watching and we would love to hear from you as well every time new friends fill out that digital communication card we give five dollars in your name and in each of your family members names if you'll give us those names to our partners at Monroe Middle School Monroe is a middle school right here in our neighborhood they have a fund that supports families in crisis and we love to support that fund and honor you while we do it Uh, we know that sometimes filling out that card can be uh, maybe a little fearful or a little intimidating we promise we're not going to abuse your information certainly we're not giving away your information we would just love the chance to begin to get to know you and of course if you've been here a million times we'd love to hear from you as well There are a few other links you can fill in there on Facebook, um, on YouTube, on the links. Uh, One of those links is our giving link. If you're new today, we don't expect you to be a part of that. But for those of us that consider Harvest our home, uh, we take that giving very seriously because it keeps us impacting the community. It keeps us sending the gospel around the world, and it keeps us ministering to you. And so uh, every time you give, you're a part of what Jesus is doing right here through harvest. And so we want to say thank you for those gifts. That being said, there's just a couple other things I want to mention to you. Of course, we're into February now. We have February bookmarks we'll be reading this month. Uh, We already have been in the book of Exodus. We'll move on to Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua as we make our way through the month. And uh, if you don't get that That bookmark, Uh, it comes in our weekly newsletter. You can get that by letting us know on your digital communication card. Also, it gets posted to our Facebook page. It's on our website. So there's all kinds of ways to get the weekly uh, Bible reading bookmark, but uh, we would love uh, to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us and being in the Word of God together. Next Sunday, we're going to do something special. We're starting a new series called Welcome Home. If you're looking out at 2021 and you're thinking about how you can grow spiritually and you want to get intentional about growing spiritually in 2021 then Welcome Home is the series for you we're gonna help you do that if you've been around for a while but you're kind of in that mode of you know like it's been almost a year with COVID and I think I'd like Harvest to be my church home but we haven't had the chance to do that because of COVID well again Welcome Home is just for you. We're gonna do this series for three weeks, but we're also, as we launch it on February 14th, we're gonna unfold a number of digital online tools and groups and various other things that are gonna allow us to grow together spiritually. But one of those tools will allow you, if you wanna partner with Harvest and make Harvest your home church, well, you're going to be able to do that as a part of this series. And so there'll be many things to come to talk about with that, but I just wanted you to know that's coming and know that we would love to serve your family and partner with you and helping you grow to love Jesus, to love His people, to love His world the way He loves the world. We want to help you do that. We'll talk about more of that with Welcome Home. One more thing I want to just mention to you. I asked Pastor Ricky today... To come and bring a message to us about temptation. We've been in a series called Stronger, and it's important that we think about how we understand how temptation works and what we can do to battle that temptation. And so, as we battle the enemy together, I'm going to invite Pastor Ricky to come and uh, share with us, out of Genesis 3, this message about temptation. In fact, I want to pray for him and pray for you right now. Jesus I thank you for everybody who is worshiping with us today and in the coming week I pray that you would work and stir in all of our hearts I thank you for the chance we've had to let music minister to our soul and now Jesus we want to give you all the honor and all the glory we know that your word is yours we know that the church is yours we know that we as your people are yours and so Jesus we just want to surrender ourselves to you and ask that you speak to us very directly And very clearly from Genesis 3 now, as Pastor Ricky talks to us about temptation. Bless him, fill him, and guide him as he guides us in understanding how to battle that temptation now. We pray in your name,
1: Jesus. Amen. All right. So here's Ricky. Good morning. Good to see all of you being with us this morning as we have our online church at harvestchurch.com. And we just are glad that you're joining in, us, in with us this morning as we worship together. If you're new at Harvest, I, my name is Ricky Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'd love to, to get to know you. And can't wait to meet all of you in person one of these days. This morning my message is entitled, uh, The Fatal Fall of Man, found in Genesis 3, 1-15. through 15. A little caveat, on January the 6th of this year, our Bible reading was from Genesis chapter 3. We as a church encourage people to get their Bible markers and uh, read along, but so in, on January the 6th, I came, we came across Genesis chapter 3, and as I read the first 15 verses, it really some things stood out to me that I could not get on, on to verse 16. I went back and reread 1 through 15 several times, began to jot down a few notes, and that's the sermon I'm going to bring to you this morning from those notes on that particular day. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word because your word is true. Your word is righteous. Your word is holy. It is your love letter to us that we might live in a way that would be pleasing to you. God, today I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill our hearts with your love that your Holy Spirit would convict us of our sin, that you would show us the path of righteousness because your name is at stake. And Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of being a part of a church that believes the Bible from cover to cover. God, we just love you today. We thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. For salvation, there is no other name given over heaven whereby a man may be saved except the name of Jesus. And we are just rejoicing over having our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we just thank you for that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Join with me as we look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said... You may not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining knowledge, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord from among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, "'Where are you?' He answered, "'I heard you in the garden.'" And I was afraid, because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals you will crawl on your belly you will eat dust all the days of your life i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel you know the world has a different view about man than the bible does psychology says we are a product of our mental makeup sociology says we are a product of our social environment. Humanism says we are a product of being human. Everything is measured by our humanness. But the Bible says two unique things about us in the first part of Genesis. First of all, we are the crowning glory of God's creation in Genesis chapter 2. And secondly, All have sinned, according to Romans 3.23 and 6.23, and that is the root of our problems. Today I want us to look at this problem of sin that started with our first parents. First of all, the serpent, the devil, spoke to our first parents. I don't know about you, but it struck me odd as I read this back in uh, January the 6th that the serpent spoke. For the first time, it stopped me dead in my tracks. My crazy mind began to go off in all kinds of directions and some particular assumptions and thoughts that I had. My mind started thinking about, did all the animals talk? Did some of the animals uh, talk differently than the other animals, like Madagascar and the Lion King and the Ice Age? I thought about, did the giraffe have to bend down to, so that Adam and Eve could hear him talk? Well, enough of that. Then there's another thing that caught my eye. It said that the serpent was more craftier than any of the wild animals that God created. This word crafty in Hebrew means shrewd or, or sensible. He was more crafty than all the other animals. Was that a trait or nature of a serpent? Was he a serpent because he was sneaky and crafty? Or was it because this creature was a smooth talker and he could sell ice cubes to an Eskimo? No, it really wasn't. It, it was because he was the embodiment of Satan himself. Many scholars believe that that this was not really a serpent talking to Adam and Eve, but it was the devil himself. That, that it, the to say that he was a serpent was to imply that he was like a serpent. Like we say there was someone who was sloppy as a pig, or someone who was very cautious as a chicken. The devil in his Glory and splendor was standing before Adam and Eve. He came, he comes and masquerades himself as an angel of light. No matter how he appeared to them, he was someone who tried to influence them to go against everything that they knew, to go against everything that God had commanded them. I don't know about you if you've ever seen the Union 76 commercial, but if you have a Pac-12 network, you see it all the time because I believe they're a sponsor of Pac-12 network. This two couple set out in this 1960 Ford van, and one of the commercials shows this couple sitting on the top of the van, and the husband says to the wife, Gene, we don't have any followers, I guess on Instagram or Twitter or wherever, or our Facebook. He said, and she said to him, I thought we were on an adventure to commune with nature and to get, connect on a spiritual level. He says, yes, Gene, but I want followers. I want to be an influencer. To which his wife says, I'm not sure I want to sell out like that. To which the husband says, well, I might. Well, you see, the devil was an influencer. And his plans were calculated, diabolical, and devious and directed at humans. The thing on the planet that God had created that looked like and shared the image of God himself That is the one thing that the devil despised most, anything that reminded him of the nature and character of God. Well, the second problem we see in this passage of Scripture, in verses 1 and verses 4 and 5, the language the serpent speaks is lies, lies, and more lies. Listen carefully to how the devil twisted the words of God. Isn't it interesting that his mode of operation hasn't changed over the eons of time? The devil used false prophets in the Old Testament to twist the words of God to achieve the things that they wanted to achieve. The devil even uses the same tactics with the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 when he was led out into the wilderness to be tempted. You see, the devil thought he could smooth talk Jesus just like he did Adam and Eve with twisted lies to get Jesus to bypass the intended reason that God sent him to this world in the first place. He not only twisted what God said to Adam and Eve, he lied to them. He said, but God did say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden. In verse 2, after he lied about what God said, he, he did it again. In this lie, he said, he, he said to them, God said you will not die, but you would be like him. In verses 4 and 5. Folks, truth versus lies started in the garden, and it continues to this very day, You see, the devil said that his truth was different from God's truth. That's the way the devil works, isn't it? That's the way the devil uses his lies to trick you and me, to keep us from doing what God wants us to do and to cause us to do the things that we know the Bible says we're not supposed to do. The apostle Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. You see, the devil's a liar, and he can't ever tell you the truth. John eight forty four says, He is a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar, the father of lies. His mother tongue is lies. Literally, liar, liar, pants on fire. Basically, it's future tense, though. He's going to have his pants on fire. Last week I heard a pastor say that the devil takes legitimate needs and tries to get us to fulfill them in illegitimate ways. I read a story recently, a fictional story, but it's a story that illustrates this point. A well-paid executive dreamed that he died and stood before the pearly gates and asked Peter, let me in. And Peter says, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? And this executive says, let me know my options. He says, show me hell. So up pops a giant screen for a video that began to play. And there were girls in bikinis. There was well-built men playing volleyball on the beach. There was coolers iced down with adult beverages. And everybody was wearing brand-name clothes and driving BMWs. Then he asked for a glimpse of heaven, only to notice the video was still playing. It pans upward and shows a park filled with old people feeding the birds on park benches, playing checkers, and angels singing in the background and playing harps. Well, that's very nice, he muttered, but I think I'll prefer hell. Immediately, he was plunged into molten lava in agonizing pain, and he yells out to Peter, Hey, where are the beaches and the babes and the drinks and the cars? St. Peter says, Sorry, what you saw was a demo tape that was sent by Satan. You see, Satan spoke in cunning ways as to put doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve. He wanted them to doubt God's goodness and his intentions and his honesty and his forthrightness and to doubt the love of God. He, he lied to soften them up so that they would believe his story denies God's goodness. Third problem we see in this passage of Scripture is that the woman first spoke to the serpent in verse 2. Folks, the Bible says for us to resist the devil and he will flee from us, found in James chapter 4, verse 7. Eve had no business talking to Satan. Even the archangel did not argue with the devil over the body of Moses. In Jude 9, it says, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That's exactly what Adam and Eve should have done. That should have been their response. The Lord rebuke you, and ours as well. She repeated back to the devil, the serpent, what God said correctly. Isn't it interesting? If you read it, she she said it correctly. She said it accurately, and she knew the truth, and she repeated it to the devil. She knew the devil was not telling her the truth. Since he is a liar and everything he says is a lie, listen to what he says. He says, you will surely not die. He, contra- he contradicted God's decree and prohibition. He said what he said was diametrically opposed to the statements of God. You see, the Bible is very clear who this person Satan was. In Isaiah chapter 14, Verses 12 through 15, it, it talks about he is a fallen angel. God didn't create the devil. The devil rebelled against God. In, in Isaiah 14, beginning with verse 12, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will rise to the throne above the stars of God. I will sit in throne on the mount of assembly, on the utmost highs of Mount Zapon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. You are brought down low to the realm of, of dead, to the depths of the pit. And Ezekiel twenty-eight one says, In the pride of your heart, you say, I am God. And listen to what it says in, in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. It says, Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. They lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to earth, and a third of his angels with him. Isn't it interesting That when we see who this person is that was telling Eve that God was not what he said he was. These passages tell us of the profanity of the evil one, the devil. That he wants to take as many people down with him as he can. Because he has been cast out of heaven and one day will be cast into a fiery furnace and fiery hell. The devil explained to them the reason God wanted to prohibit them from enjoying everything in the garden because... God didn't want Adam and Eve to be like him. You see, that's exactly the same thing the devil wanted to be, was like God. Then the fourth problem is that the serpent appealed to their fleshly desires. In verse 6, Eve believed what the serpent was telling her, and it appealed to her senses. Folks, the problem started in the garden, and we look at what is forbidden long enough, we eventually give in to what we see. So did Eve. This luscious fruit caught her eye and appealed to her fleshly desire for food. That's what she did. She rationalized it. It couldn't be all that harmful. It's just something to eat, simply something to eat. I remember legitimate needs, food in illegitimate ways. God forbid to eat that. Isn't that what we do today? We look at something to, that is good, and we say, how can it be so bad if it's good? That's exactly what we do. Sometimes we say this, the first plate of food must be good. Shouldn't the second one be better? No, not really. You say, well, the first, first one made me uh, as large as I am dead. Maybe I need to go on to a, di- a diet and not eat so much. But if you've ever tried to go on a diet... Every magazine, every commercial, and every newspaper would have the most delightful-looking food you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) You might have gone for months, too, without anyone asking you for an invitation for lunch or dinner, but now your phone is blowing up with requests everywhere you look. We read that this fruit that this angel of light held up to Adam and Eve looked pleasing to the eye it sparkled it gleamed as it was perfect in its proportions have you ever picked up a piece of fruit whether it be an apple or 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 a pear or or whatever or a peach and you've noticed that it's misshaping and it's ugly in its form doesn't make you want to eat it does it have you ever picked up an apple that that Looks so good on one side and you turned it and there was a wormhole on the back side? Uh, you really don't want to bite into that, do you? Or what about picking up an apple and and taking a big bite of it and looking down and find a half of worm inside? <laughs> that's not pleasing at all. Well, that's not what caught Eve's eye. This was the most luscious-looking piece of fruit that she ever laid her eyes upon. It was one of those things that you could not stop looking at. Every time you turned away, it drew you back to it. It was that alluring. It was that eye-popping. You remember the children's story in the movie, Sleepy Beauty. You remember the apple that was held up to Sleeping Beauty for her to eat. The Bible says it was desirable. It was desirable because Eve was able, because she had free will to desire it. It was desirable for gaining knowledge and getting it very quickly you see adam and eve when they were born they were like children when god created them, they were like children they learned thing over things over the process of time like a child does they had inquiring minds they wanted to know things you see children learn that way don't they my children and my grandchildren great-grandchildren they learn things slowly over time but in this case Adam and Eve wanted to learn it all with one big bite. Just one look is all it took, and one big bite to destroy sinlessness. It was desirable to enlighten the mind, to bring wisdom and understanding about the unknown, which God wanted to remain unknown. Eve went from seeing and looking and admiring to an indulging, and from a casual look to a willing participant. I don't know about you, but I thought about this too as I read this passage of scripture. I wonder what Eve thought after she took that bite. Uh Uh-oh, what have I done? And I believe with all my heart she didn't want to be alone, so she handed it to Adam. Like the old saying says, misery loves company. Eve didn't want to be in this mess all by herself, so she gave it, the next deadly bite, to Adam. Sometimes my mind wanders off into strange places, like I said before, but I wonder what would happen if Adam had refused. But you see, the phrase that we see in the Bible, it says that Adam was with her. Now you think, well, sure he was with her, but it was more than a location, wasn't it? He was with her, he was along for the ride. He was like a- Eve. He felt like eating this apple. He saw this apple. He desired this apple. He wanted this apple, this fruit. He wanted to, and chomp, chomp, chomp. He bit into it. Folks, he was a willing participant, and the total blame goes to both parents. We could've, he could have stepped up and said, Listen, woman, God gave me a direction not to eat this fruit. Before you were even around, I, I knew the rules. You know, we really don't know if it was an apple or not. We say that it was. I, I kind of think it's more like a green persimmon. <laughs> if you've ever been and took green persimmon, it looks good on the outside. But once you bite in it, it's the most obnoxious, bitter bite that you've ever had in your life. Well, Apple computers believes it was an apple. Have you seen the bite out of it? Apple believes that that they're, they are the vehicle to knowledge, gnosko, to know. See, Adam and Eve were caught red-handed. And they knew it because their eyes were open. For the first time, they realized they were unclothed, which was not a problem B.C., before the crime. You see, before the fall, naked was good. But after the fall, naked was bad. They needed to be covered up. They realized, wow. There's something different has happened. The battle of the sexes began after we had to be covered up. Someone has well said, there's always a battle between the sexes because men and women want different things. Men want women and women want men. The fifth problem was the rebellion first came from Eve and then Adam. I read another story about one day Adam was out hunting with his two boys And he came upon the Garden of Eden where he and his wife, Eve, had been kicked out of for eating the forbidden fruit. Adam was staring at the garden and one of the boys said to him, Dad, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? Adam wiped a tear from his eyes and his boys, that's the Garden of Eden right over there. That's where we used to live until your mother ate us out of house and home. Well, we laugh and chuckle at that, don't we? But we realize that it wasn't that just Eve ate them out of house and home. Adam was a willing participant, and they both ate themselves out of the garden. It's interesting that the serpent che- uh, charmed Eve first and then charmed Adam. I've often wondered why he started with Eve. Was it that women are more easily deceived than men? No, I don't think so. Could it be that women are better listeners than men? Adam may have been off doing something else and not paying much attention. I don't think so. But whatever it was, we know that Eve was seduced to do evil, and then she seduced Adam to follow suit. It was in the Garden of Eden that man gave over his leadership of, in the relationship to the woman. Men are to be the spiritual leaders of the family and the home and godly examples to follow, and Adam failed. In that relationship. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Satan tempts us in three separate ways according to 1 John 2, 5 through 16, 15 through 16. The lust of the flesh is the desire to do something apart from God's will. The lust of the eye is the desire to have something apart from God's will. And the pride of life is the desire to be something apart from God's will the first desire appeals mainly to the body the second to the soul and the third to the spirit perhaps the most common manifestation of the lust of the flesh is in modern day civilization is illicit sex and pornography and hedonism Perhaps the most common manifestation of the lust of the eye is excessive gathering and buying, materialism, QVC, home shopping networks, Amazon. I know I've am quit preaching and gone to meddling on this one. But perhaps the most common manifestation of pride of life is trying to be in control, power, control. My three-year-old granddaughter wanted to be in control one day, and she told me, Papa, you're not the boss of me. See, that's exactly what Adam and Eve wanted to be. They wanted to be the boss. They didn't want God to tell them that they couldn't and prohibit them from doing anything. Many have pointed that these three aspects of temptation listed in 1 John are the same things that he did with Adam and Eve. She saw that the forbidden fruit was good, the lust of the flesh, because it was something to eat. She saw It was a delight to the eye. It appealed to her eyes. And it was desirable to make her wise. It appealed to her boastful pride of life. You see, Satan did the same thing with the Lord Jesus in the wilderness when he tempted him. Turn, you hungry, Jesus? Turn the bread in, turn the stones into bread. You want power? I'll show you all the kingdoms of the world. You want control? You jump off the pinnacle, and let the angels lift you up. You see, the mode of operations of Satan has not changed since the creation, since the temptation of Adam and Eve. You see, in the South, we say he was a one-trick pony, wasn't he? Then the sixth problem is that fig leaves were not big enough to hide behind. Folks, the covering of fig leaves is not enough to hide the reality of our deeds from God. What we do in private, what we do in seclusion, what we do in secret cannot be hidden from God's sight and from God's view. They hid in the one place where God was, where he was abiding and walking and observing his special creation called man that he chose to bestow his love upon. They thought they could escape God's presence. They, they thought they could cover up their, the evil of what they had done by a few fig leaves. You can't run far enough away from God that he can't reach you. The psalmist in Psalms 139 knew that. He says, you search me, O Lord, and know me. You know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive me from afar. You discern my goings out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there you will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. See, we cannot hide from God no matter how hard we try. God said, Adam, where are you? God cried out to the sin-stained Adam and Eve as they vainly attempted to hide from God. Adam had a plan, though. (laughs) Fig leaves are an easy, quick fix, a cover-up. They represent man's trying to fix his own sin in his own terms in a quick and easy way. Grab some leaves. Cover up quickly. We can always get more. There are plenty of leaves everywhere. We're doing well. We should be covered up just fine. Here, Eve, I told you we could make this thing work out. But did they? Certainly not. Certainly not. You see, the foolishness of trying to cover up our own sin with fig leaves would be like trying to heat the ocean with a tea kettle. Because we cannot hide our sin from God, listen to the last verses of Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. The second problem we see in this passage is God asked some very pointed questions to our first parents in verses 8 and 10. Now, according to the psalm we read, God was not asking them about their location in the garden. God already knew where they were. He already knew where they were located. So what was he asking i believe he was asking them where are you now in your relationship to me now that you've eaten the forbidden fruit now that you're hiding behind the bushes and now that you're trying to cover up with those puny fig leaves listen to their telling response we heard you coming and we were afraid what that says is things are different now they weren't afraid before they ate the fruit but now they were afraid. Before the fruit cocktail, there was no fear. Nothing but everlasting love and fellowship and walking together in the cool of the evening and abiding together with God. You see, in first John, John four eighteen, 18, we read, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fear is not made perfect in love. Second Timothy one seven says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. There was a pastor who went out visiting one of his church members one Saturday afternoon. He got to the house and he knocked on the door and he heard people scurrying about in the house and nobody came to the door but he knew someone was in there so he kept knocking and so finally the minister took out one of his business cards and he wrote this first from Revelation three twenty on his business card and stuck it in the door and says, Behold, I was standing at the door and knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and dine with you and and he with me. The next Sunday in the offering plate he got the card back, and it says this <clears throat> Genesis three ten Behold, I I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. God asked Why are you afraid? They said because we were naked. They were unclothed, not by material cloth or fig leaves, but unclothed from the sinless perfection that God had created in their lives. And unclothed because of the relationship now has been severed because they were hiding in fear, not in love. They were unclothed from the beginning because of their sin. It was wrong for the first time. And then the eighth problem, the blame game, started and continues today in verses 12 and 13. ran across this Peanuts cartoon some time ago where Lucy approaches Charlie Brown with a paper and pen and says, Here, sign this. This absolves me from all blame. Then she goes on to Schroeder with the same pen and paper. Here, sign this. This absolves me from all blame. Finally, she came to Linus. Here, Linus, sign this paper. It absolves me from all blame. Lucy walks away and Linus says, gee, that must be a nice document to have. It sure would. There was a spiritual battle that was going on, wasn't it? There was a spiritual battle that was taking place, but it was between Adam and Eve and God. It's interesting that the moment sin entered in the lives of Adam and Eve, they started the blame game, which has been around and been perpetuated by millions of us throughout all the ages. Eve gave Flip Wilson one of his uh, one-liners that propelled his career. The devil made me do it, she said. Lord, it was the devil's fault. He's the blame. He's the one that tempted me. He's the one that talked me into this. Well, the devil's to blame for tempting her. She's to blame for yielding to temptation. Then Adam turns and blames God. He said <laughs> which is treading on really thin ice. The woman you gave me. It's her fault. Which is a far cry from what when God presented her to Adam in the first place where he says, This is bone of my flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. What Adam was saying is, God, I was doing okay before you gave her to me. Now look at me. Look at where I am. Human nature always wants to shift the blame to someone else. It's not really my fault. Then you can fill in the blank. What's my, my fault? I can fill in the blank. Then we come to the last part of chapter 3 verse 15, 10 through 15. That's the ninth problem. That's the solution to the problem. Finally, God's eternal gospel declared after the fall. It's interesting. The Lord said to the serpent in verse 14, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all animals you will crawl on your belly you will eat dust all the days of your life and i will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers i will crush your head he will crush your head and you will strike his heel things look really bad in this beautiful garden that was created especially for adam and eve yet we're told in scripture that god had already set in motion a cure for adam and eve's problems we are we're told that in revelation 13:8 we read about the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. The cure for sin had already been taken care of by the Lamb before the foundation of the world, before the world was ever created, before Adam and Eve were ever created. God knew what was going to happen, and He created the cure. God placed a curse upon the devil, Lucifer, Satan. You will crawl on your belly all your life, and you will eat road dust all of your days. He said, I will put, and he spoke directly to the devil. He said, I will put him between you and the woman. There will be one born of a woman, and that one is Jesus. That will be in total opposition to you, devil, and your kind. Jesus will come and do battle with the forces of evil that Pastor Brian's been talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. There was a spiritual battle that was waging against the one who would redeem fallen man back to himself. He is the only one that could do, undo the damage that Satan had done to man. Romans 10, 13 says, so "...whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Satan struck a blow to Jesus when he was nailed to the cross, but it was not a knockout blow. He was, he struck his heel but Jesus rose again from the dead. His resurrection bruised the head of the serpent until the final casting of him in the lake of the fire. I shared a few weeks ago in a message, this is the first mention of the gospel in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, proto-evangelion, the mention of the first gospel in the Old Testament. The he in verse 15 is masculine and it refers to Jesus. And it refers to the he in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed would not perish but have eternal life. That statement in John 3.16 are a complete statement concerning the reality of a loving God who always redeemed creation back to himself. You see, it looked like Satan had won over God's creation in the garden, but God had already set in motion a plan to redeem mankind back to himself. The one thing that I want you to remember this morning, we can all answer these questions. Whom do you serve? And whose applause do you seek? This morning... You may be here and for the first time you realize that you've tried to cover up your sin like Adam and Eve. You've tried to cover up being wrong and not not having a right relationship to God. But this morning, because God did not spare His only begotten Son, He gave Him as a complete sacrifice for the sin of mankind, that you can receive Him just by asking. It is a free gift that we can receive we say two prayers at the end of each service. And one is for a person to pray and invite Jesus to come into their heart. We've been, we've been hiding behind the fig leaves of our own self-righteousness. And this morning, God wants to save you and give you eternal life. Would you pray this prayer after me, if that's something you desire in your heart? Say, Dear Lord Jesus... I confess to you that I'm like Adam and Eve, that I have sinned against you. And I've tried to hide it, but I can't hide it any longer. Lord, I confess my sin, that I'm a sinner. I confess that I have sinned against you. I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I invite him into my heart and life to live. I give you total control, Lord Jesus. Save me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming into my heart and in my life. Thank you for giving me your spirit to live within me. I dedicate my life and commit my life to you to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, the Bible says says you shall be saved with the mouth confession is made and with the heart man believes under righteousness. And for those of us who have been believers for a long time, we may not have been following Jesus like we should. Maybe we, there's some things in our life we need to get rid of. We've been... We've sinned against God and we've tried to hide behind the fig leaves of our own self-righteousness as well. This prayer this morning will be a thanksgiving for God, forgiving us our sin, for redeeming us from our sin, and forgiving us from our sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a prayer for us as believers that our walk with God would be holy and righteous and pure. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that the, all, all of us who are Christians, who who sin against God, we would confess it, let's for like First John one nine says, that our redemption, and we would thank God for our redemption. Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we realize how wonderful salvation is, because uh, uh, without salvation, we are doomed for to spend eternity separated from God like Adam and Eve were separated from God out, out of the garden. Lord, I thank you for salvation. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men, whereby men may be saved except the name of Jesus. Lord, we just are rejoicing that we our names have written, been written in the Lamb's book of life, that we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust that this week... The Lord would bless your heart as we continue to to pray for you and to love you. We miss you so, so very much. We're glad that you're able to tune in every week and we're able to share the g- good news of gospel through our online streaming. We just praise God for you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Uh, if you've prayed this prayer this morning for salvation, we'd love you to put it on your communication card. We'd love for you to email uh, myself or Brian or Ricky and Brian at Harvest Community Church Eugene.com. Either one of us, we would love to talk to you about being baptized and, and how to walk the Christian life. So this week, I pray God would go with you and bless you until we meet again. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.